G'day everyone and welcome to the latest episode of X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. This is Dan with a bit of a solo effort today. Look, I'm not sure what episode this is uh, as it goes up and I'm not going to introduce the number because we've got a couple of podcasts to publish before this one comes out. Hopefully you're listening to this or it goes up early in January 2017, we'll see how we go. By now hopefully you've had a chance to listen to our interview with Cy Barry what an absolute cracker that was. So so pleased that he was able to give us so much of his time. And uh, if you haven't heard that, you absolutely need to go back and have a listen to that at some point soon. Uh, today's podcast, though, is focusing on the Phantom Art Show, which is that collection of original and amazing Phantom-inspired artwork from some of Australia's leading artists that's been going up and down the, uh, particularly the east coast of Australia through 20. Uh, 15 and, and 2016 and continues to go next year. Um, there's quite a bit of information about that on the chroniclechamber.com web, website, so you should go and check that out. Hopefully you've already listened to um, podcast number uh, episode 47, which was the interview we did with the co-curators of the art show, Peter Kingston and Ditmar Lederwash. If you haven't, um, you should again you know, go back and check that one out as well. The recordings you're about to listen to were taken on the weekend of the 10th and 11th of December 2016 at the Tweed Regional Gallery in Mwilumbar, um, which is northern New South Wales. That was the, the weekend of the opening of the show there. Uh, the first part, so, th- so there's two parts in the, in the podcast you're about, to listen to, uh, you're about to listen to. The first part, which goes for about 20 minutes. Uh, was when uh, the the official opening, I suppose, on Sunday night, the 10th of December, and that was when uh, former Governor-General of Australia, Dame Quentin Bryce, and her husband, Michael Bryce, officially opened the show at the Tweed. I did also record uh, video of, the, of their speeches and posted that on the Chronicle Chamber website article, um, which, if you want to go back and have a look at that, was published on the 12th of December, um, if you've already seen that, then you've already heard, you know, the first 25 minutes of this. Um, but it's well worth a re-listen if, even if you have heard it before, um, as you as you'd know, or if you're listening to it for the first time. Both Dame Quentin and um, Michael speak with a great deal of warmth and humour and generosity about. Uh, the Phantom as a character and, and as a comic strip and, and involvement in Australian life, but also about Peter Kingston and, and Dietmar and the, and the work that they've done as well. So, Anyway, the second part of the podcast you, you can't possibly have heard before, um, unless you were one of the 20 or 25 people who attended on the, on the Sunday, um, because that's the talk that Peter Kingston myself gave in the gallery um, the following day. Really... <laughs> That was a that was a, a pretty cool moment for me as a as a fan of fan because here am I some some schmo who's just been reading the the comic for most of his life and um, suddenly and I, and I said this in a in the podcast we recorded just before Christmas the comics and news one um, suddenly I'm a, I'm an expert in the fandom apparently and um, I'm getting invited to to talk in front of people about. Uh, uh, the character and the, the comic strip and the history of it in Australia and those sorts of things. And uh, I am very grateful to, to Peter who invited me up to to talk with him rather than just listen to him. So that that was a really cool moment. And, yeah, uh, if nothing else, I had, a, I had a blast. So 
look, I will apologise now for the quality of the audio that you're about to listen to. To be honest, you're probably going to need to turn the volume right up as soon as um, this introduction's finished. Um, the couple of minutes at the start of the second part of the you know the the talk of, from the Sunday is probably uh, particularly quiet um, as the Tweed management introduced Peter and I. But look, I encourage you to persist with the. I, I really do. No, listen to it. It's it's quite enjoyable. Um, it, I think you'll find that it's worth it if you listen to the if you listen to the whole thing. If you can if you can get through the quiet and just turn it up a little bit. So, uh, look if if you're a regular listener of Xband, then you you're probably fairly familiar with some sort of audio problems. It's um, uh, you know. I, I'm a listener of the uh, I'm a listener of the podcast as well, and and I know that um, in our recordings I'm probably far too loud and, and, and talk too much too, to be honest, as this introduction is proving. Sometimes Steve's a bit quiet, and Jermaine can be a little bit garbled. Um, look, I guess the I guess the only real solution is for you to log on to ChroniclesChamber.com and to follow the Patreon links and maybe throw a little bit of money our way. Uh, we're all. We're all just doing it for the love of it, and we're using whatever equipment we can um, scramble together. Um, I'm talking into an iPhone as we speak, and that's uh, clearly not the way that the professionals would do it. We, uh, the the Patreon, we're very grateful to the people who have subscribed to the Patreon already, as we went through in episode 50 and talked about them. You know, we've been able to reach the level of being able to upload regular content and uh, do things like. Uh, interview Cy Barry and uh, talk to you know we've got some pretty cool authors and and artists that we're hoping to speak to early in the new year so you know we're making the effort to to talk to some pretty cool fandom people and and uh, give you the chance to hear what they think about the character but we'd also love the opportunity to be able to uh, record some better quality audio and that sort of thing for our listeners so um, if you have the opportunity uh, and are in the position, and we know that not everybody is, but um, if you've got the chance to, you know, throw a dollar or two or, or $5 a, a month towards the Chronicle Chamber Patreon, we would really appreciate it and, and uh, ultimately be able to record. Uh, every, every dollar there goes back towards the podcast and to the website, and so every dollar that we can pick up there uh, comes back to you. Anyway. Uh, look, this is enough waffle for me. I've been going on for a long time. Um, I hope you really enjoy listening to the sounds of the Phantom Art Show that you're about to embrace, um, the opening at the Tweed Regional Gallery. I'd really encourage people to get along and see this before it packs up. It, it's, it finishes up at the Tweed at the end of February 2017 and moves south to Coffs Harbour not long after that. So if you get the chance, get along and see it. Really worthwhile having a look at the art that's available have a look at the Chronicle Chamber website and um, follow the tag for the art show and you can see all of the uh, pieces and that sort of thing there. But there's nothing quite like seeing them in person and really experiencing those. Anyway, enough from me. I'll uh, leave you to it. I hope you enjoy the introduction from Dame Quinton and Michael Bryce, followed by Peter and myself. All right, thanks everyone. Now, I'm into an exhibition that has attracted some, you know, a number of phone calls and emails from excited fans, the Phantom Art Show. I must admit, it's been a treat to read quite a few of these emails from the Phantoms fan this week in anticipation of the exhibition opening. 
And I, I'm told to him and I arrived this afternoon that today an avid collector of Phantom Comics was here in the gallery. He didn't realise that the exhibition was on, so it was an extraordinary thrill for him. But um, he, he shared with all the staff on duty today that he had over 2,000 Phantom Comic books. So there, there is, you know, clear, clear evidence that there are some avid fans out there. We, of course, are delighted that we've been able to entice the Phantom himself from his skull cave, uh, accompanied by his uh, four-legged companion, Devil. And, of course, the icing on the cake is undoubtedly the news that the elusive Diana Palmer, one of the most endeared by the Phantom, responded so positively to our humble invitation to open the exhibition tonight. The gallery is thrilled, as is artist Peter Kingston, who I've now spotted, there he is, um, that uh, we've, the principal artist being, being Peter and co-curator of the show, that the Honourable Dame Quentin Bryce, aka Diana Palmer and Michael Bryce um, are able to be here tonight. So please welcome, I don't know whether to say Quentin or Diana, both of you. <laughs> Michael's coming first, Michael first. Uh, to our gallery, and I know that they're both very fond of the tweet, so give them a, a warm welcome. Filled my life 
We rode our bikes around the suburbs until dark. We raced our go-karts with our superheroes names glued onto them, and we each had our own hero. But most of all, we played war. We mostly shot jacks, because that's for our dad's team. It was the Phantom Ring we got here. That ring, I had two rings over the years. I, alas, I can't find either of them. They were the silver skull shape. And we could actually knock somebody out if we were anyone. <laughs> I'm rather daunted standing in front of this crowd of phantomites, experts in every nuance of phantom psychology. And delighted to see this exhibition of art, I had a quick look of the phantom legend by such eminent and talented artists. Well, whatever. I am intrigued about his lineage. Even though he has no magic powers, like Mandrake, he must have a long line of understanding grandmothers with good genes to have survived so long with hunky phantom husbands and fathers dashing all over the world at one time, wherever it arose. But most crime fighters we know are one-offs, like the Lone Ranger, where we know the Lone Ranger was born and he had a wife and he died. Uh, or, or even Superman, we know he came and he was around the place for a while, I don't know where he is now. But anyway. um, we trace them from boyhood to superhero performance, but the Phantom reinvents himself over and over as generations uh, produce a fully kitted out man living in the jungle. Well, some tailoring, some laundry. But let me tell you about my other Phantom. The F4 Phantom II was built by McDonnell Douglas as a supersonic fighter. Between 1958 and 1996, in its lifespan of service, it accomplished 15 world records, including for speed and altitude, serving in more than 12 air forces, including the outer layer. A total of 5,195 phantoms were built, of which some hundreds are still flying in seven countries. It was the last US fighter to obtain ace status in the Vietnam War, with three phantoms, Navy, credited with five kills each. The plane was called the Spook. In 1968, the RAF took delivery of 24 leased phantom F-4s while transitioning from the English electric camera to the F-111. I fell in love with this ugly, pugilistic machine with a big punch, and so I bought my own phantom model. This phantom model's markings are actually of the period. It's called Mimi Killer. Perhaps you can think about the connection between this enigmatic international fighter jet with our phantom. This is as each F-4 landed, the pilot would report to the intelligence officer for debriefing. It was my luck to be the RAF intelligence officer, or the Nutello, on duty to brief and debrief a squadron of the US 50th 
technical by-the-way point, Tenement Force on exercise at Amway when I was in the Rat Reserve in 1966-2. This is when I find a young National Garden pilot named Captain Hawker. <laughs> Fresh from flying his F-4 Phantom over Vietnam, call sign, ghost, and things take a strange new turn. Sit down, sir, I say. How was your flight? Flying, you say. But there was something eerie about this Captain Walker. Perhaps it was the black sunglasses he was wearing indoors. Or maybe the way he fidgeted with his little silver ring. And now I find myself wondering, was it Captain Ghost Walker? Son of the family, in that brief encounter in 1996 at Rathbase Assembly, a ghost who follows. <laughs> His secret has been sacred to me. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> what do we know about this man? No cape like Zorro or Batman, just a trench coat and a dog. It happens to be here tonight. Um, and, and lurking in the shadows in, in New York or Vietnam or even the mess in Amberley. Why does this story in Europe? Perhaps it's the unusual legend involving Africa, the Skull Cave, and everlasting families of heroes. My view is that it all began in the way that he was first drawn by Lee Falk. He was shown as muscular, but athletic, and a, dare I say, a bit camp. <laughs> Serious, withdrawn, mysterious, here today, gone tomorrow, and near back again. With no magical powers, but able to receive, to achieve results with only his business. Who could forget the indelible mark of the skull on the villain's jaw? <laughs> Costumed in space-age purple, but the two wide earth like six guns, surrounded by real people dressed normally and being unperturbed, even though he occasionally might have looked a little out of place. <laughs> <laughs> I ventured the thought that it was his enduring values of sacrifice, courage, and determination, but with a touch of irony like 007. I suspect his companion, Diana. Quentin will channel things. Help shape his character, beliefs, and ideals. He certainly shaped mine. Thank you.
in this beautiful place. Is this real? Oh, wow. Of course, I'm bringing with remembrances of our much-loved Margaret Old when I come here, such a champion of regional galleries. They are treasure troves. Again and again, I've seen that. And we all understand, as she did, uh, uh, that uh, this is such a glorious uh, part of our country and what it meant to her as it always has to me. As a little kid, I came here every uh, summer to uh, poke around when we were having holidays at surfers in the olden days when uh, the pub there had a zoo and uh, the houses were fibro. Not <laughs> long ago, Michael and I uh, were here with our twin granddaughters who were 13. Oh, gosh, they're imagined better. Call Michael Roy for some reason, and I referred to as Roy's wife. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I wanted them to see this beautiful part of Australia. And uh, we made this trip called The Twins Two of the Tweet. We spent hours in this gallery and at lunch and in the shop. A few days at King's Cliff. It was heaven. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is an exhilarating exhibition. It will bring people together in a unique way to see some of the work of great Australian artists and to cause us all to indulge in some delicious nostalgia, as Michael has, and storytelling, as we marvel at the enduring appeal of the phantom. Everybody has something to tell about this comic book character created before World War II, who resonates so strongly with many generations, 80 years later. It's a mystery, isn't it? I feel a bit anxious about my confession, but I have to admit, I didn't go for Kit Walker at all when I was a girl. <laughs> Just too boy for me. Though, of course, I was drawn to the glamorous Diana. As I recall, she didn't appear to have much of a role uh, in the 50s. I knew even then about gender equality. Not the words, but I got the message because we were four girls in our family and every time people would ask us that banal question, can't we girls or sisters? And we'd say, three sisters, and the immediate response was always, oh, you're poor father. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, preparing for this occasion has opened up Diana's world for me, and wow, what a fabulous woman. What a role model. She's been described as maybe the most remarkable mother of her time. A feminist who successfully combines work, family, athletic prowess, a woman with extraordinary capabilities. She should be known better, better known, as a shining example of what women can achieve. Frankly, she deserves her own comment. It's rather a romantic story, childhood sweethearts. That's why at the wedding, the phantom is saying to himself, at last. <laughs> and Diana's thoughts are, it's really happening. I hope I don't wake up. <laughs> She's in heaven. And then the ring. And then a kiss. Who dresses by. Face top. Showing off the fantastic figure. She is, after all, a former Olympic diving champion. <laughs> a black belt in karate. Indeed, a fitting bride of the phantom. 
and wow, that sort of career that every girl would love. Associate Director of the United Nations Human Rights Commission, before that of the World Health Organization, trained as a nurse. <laughs> now Diana, a nurse. <laughs> before that, Diana Palmer, Olympic diver, explorer, pilot. <laughs> Her office in New York, uh, is there because she has a lot of commuting. Luckily, her boss is very understanding and plans to assign her at the coronation. There's good childcare in that night. <laughs> I know she's going to be worried about the twins, kids, and helicopters. Dad, you'll be working months in <laughs> She's only got a month of maternity leave left, and as usual, she's the parent with high responsibility for looking after the kids, organising home health, shopping, and everything. <laughs>
of beautiful art by famous Australian artists who all had a bit of a crush on the phantom like some of us. <laughs> <laughs>
privilege for me to be here today. Um, as Anouk said, um, I, I write on the chroniclechamber.com website, which is all about the fandom things, and as soon as we heard about the fandom art show uh, travelling around, and it's been in, this is the fourth or fifth? Yes, it's, uh, we've been travelling since um, 2015. We, we had an exhibition at the Australian Galleries, which was uh, a com- uh, and it was meant to be a one-off, and suddenly we got requests for the show to travel. And so, where are we now? 2016, we've been to Wollongong, Mackay, Toowoomba, Broken Hill, and now we're at the Tree Regional Gallery, and um, then we're going to um, the Cartoon Bunker at uh, Coffs Harbour, Newcastle, at Manly, Los Angeles, and this could well keep going long after we've, uh, we've gone. So uh, it's extraordinary how, how this fandom thing has just kept kept the momentum up. Did, did anyone go last night? Yes. Yes, yes. Dan recorded it, and it was the most extraordinary performance by the Bryces. Uh, I mean, what a class act. But we, we had somebody who, who is now channeling Diana Palmer, who was the Governor-General. I don't think that's happened anywhere else in the world. And then Michael, who was... Um, taking the second step to behind um, Dane Quentin. Uh, actually, the, the best and only good thing Tony Abbott did was to make her a Dane, which I, I think is, is fantastic. And um, uh, Michael kept leaping to his feet and <laughs> adding his bits. And, and the whole thing ended up with this um, thing with the, the skull where he invited... Because it's uh, men's secret business, isn't it? He invited men in the audience to come up and place their hand on the phantom skull. And um, how did you <laughs> read that? And, and to swear the oath. Uh, to swear the oath. Yeah. Yes. Which which what, what's the oath? Uh, <laughs> you put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, it's, um... I solemnly swear to devote my life to, to... the fight against piracy, injustice, and. Cruelty, not less in that order. Yes, yes. Um, my son and my their sons shall follow after me. Yes, but but it is appropriate that we have a, a female phantom because there has been one. There um, has been one. Yeah, the the eighteenth phantom was um, they were twins and Julie was the sister and had to take over um, for a short period of time. And I think actually speaking of through the the two thousand and seventeen annual which comes out in. Um, January uh, has, was announced last night is going to be a female phantom uh, really? devoted to the female phantom. So eight or ten stories just about a female phantom. Really? So, hmm. Yes, because Dame Quentin, uh, her big complaint was that um, that Diana Palmer should have her own comic because uh, <laughs> you know how unfair it was that it was uh, all men's business. So I think Dane Quentin's blazed a bit of a trail, but, mm. but it's, she's picked up the threads of it actually being there before. Mm. Well, it was a Wilson McCoy story in 1952 that Lee Ford first had, called the female phantom and he sort of <laughs> kicked it along, but it never, never, never explored it as well as he probably could yes, have or should yes, have. So. Yes, yes, so, so who was the artist, Wilson? Wilson McCoy. McCoy. Wilson McCoy. So, so the, um, a bit of history here. It started in 1936. The 36, yeah. 36, and... What was happening in the world in 1936? Um, Hitler was coming to power. Hitler was coming to power, um, elected um, mm. democratically mm. and um, uh, picking on minorities and, and all sorts of things like that. And this, this was the atmosphere in which the family mm. was, was uh, born in. Mm. And um, 
So the artist then was actually Lee Fork, wasn't it? Um, I think he actually drew. For a short period of time before Ray Moore took over, yeah. Yeah, and uh, pretty good drawings, really. He did all right, given that he was mostly a, a theatre director and a, uh, and an, art, uh, an author. Yes, so. and, and before that he, he invented Mandrake the Magician, which uh, used to feature in the Australian Women's Weekly, mm. didn't it? Mm. And uh, the, the Mandrake gestures hypnotically. Mm. It was quite, quite magic. And um, I think he, 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 these days, he, when you read the catalogue, there's a very interesting essay by Dare Jennings, which I'll leave you to read yourself, because Dare Jennings actually met Lee Fork. We, we didn't, did we? No, no. I have spoken to Wilson McCoy's grandson. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, I picked up the phone and one day, and there was Wilson McCoy's grandson, so mm. I was able to tell him that he was our favourite mm. uh, fan of us, which he was very glad to hear. The, this is a very vast topic, so wh- where shall we dive in? Well, maybe, maybe right there, talking about Lee Fork, because yeah. um, uh, you've mentioned Dare Jennings and the essay that he wrote in the, in the catalogue is um, about the danger of meeting your heroes, I think. Yes. A- and he was a bit disappointed when he met Lee Fork and um, how that unfolded. He'd come out here to, to advise on that fan film mm. that sunk like a stone, didn't mm. it? Unfortunately, yes. Yes. Did you see it? Yeah, I did, and I quite liked it. Did but, you really? Uh, I'm yeah. part of the, the target audience, I think, so... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, see it. No, but, no. but apparently Lee Falk was quite, um, quite difficult to work with and, and oh, really? very, very much a perfectionist. So, yes. Um, and it was his way of the highway and, and he didn't yeah. take any um, feedback from or comments or notes from the artists particularly well. Really? Um, so, um, this is the artist who actually, Wilson McCoy and, and Ray Moore and... Um, and later Cy Barry, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yes, which you can't deny Lee Falk's role in the whole thing. No, of course. But... Yeah. Um, uh, our, our interest sort of wanes after um, some of our interest. I, I, I know Dan likes the artists that came after Wilson McCoy. I think Ray Moore and Wilson McCoy are, are obviously the ones who, who established who the Phantom is, and, yes. and they uh, drew in for the first 25 or 30 years, yes. if I'm mistaken. And, and um, without their influence, yes. he wouldn't be who he is, and, and no. perhaps still in the, still around now. So yes. they very much set a, a tone that. Uh, was appreciated and enjoyed. Yes. Our interest in the Phantom began about 45 years ago and uh, myself and Gary shared. That's Gary's one of the Phantom um, there, that one, that big one there. And we just found it quite hilarious. Each frame was terribly funny and uh, beautifully drawn. They went in for doing life drawings of um, uh, Dick Frizzell, this artist in New Zealand. is another Phantom artist in the show. He felt that they did mail-order drawing. You know, you, you learn how to draw from life drawing. You, you, you drew animals. You actually drew from <coughs> and, and that, I think that's why it has such quality and no slickness. Mm. The slickness was not, not, mm. not there then. I always think, because I'm doing um, other sort of art, I'm doing sort of oil painting things, whenever I do phantom work, I always feel guilty. I feel I should be getting on with the important stuff. And and that the Phantom's just an indulgence. And uh, time just flies when, you, when you're doing Phantom work, when you're involved in it. Mm. I find, you probably find that too. Well, I'm, I'm a not teacher. an artist. I'm a teacher and, I guess, yeah. becoming a writer, I suppose. But yeah. uh, Do you feel guilty when you're spending time on Well, I sit down and read the, read the comics or, or go through my collection or whatever. Yeah. Yes, so yes. It, it, it makes you feel like a big kid again, I suppose. Yeah. And yes. that's what I love about it. Dan's son, Angus, is... is keen on the Phantom? Yeah, he's seven and he just loves the Phantom as well, so um, 
probably my influence, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> He's surrounded with, with some paintings and, and that sort of thing yes. at home. So. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Great. Yeah, but um, it, it's interesting because when you look at the Phantom from 1936 and through the 40s and uh, the stories like the Phantom Goes to War, you know, you can look at that and it's, it, it treats the Japanese um, in quite a harsh light. So people, people have certainly looked at the Phantom and said, well, it's racist. Um, you've got this white man who's the ruler of the jungle. White supremacist. White supremacist. Yes. Um, it's... Uh, Dan Quinton talked last night about uh, Diana being uh, a strong feminist but not getting a, a strong role in the Phantom. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people look at this, car- this comic character and say, well, that is all- it's outdated and all the rest of it. What, what do you- how do you respond to that? Oh, well, I was amazed by all her achievements last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dan Quinton, she was an Olympic diver. She was a, um, a explorer, a pilot. I mean... Diane Clinton even had a, a sculpture of her diving, didn't mm-hmm. he, that, that she dragged out. Um, you can see this uh, footage on... Do you have to be a member of Facebook to, to, to see it? Uh, to posting? No, 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 no. Uh, the, any of the stuff that we've done is on um, the website chroniclechamber.com and you can just go to say oh. I, I, I link to it all on Facebook, but oh, it's, see, all, see, it's all separate as a website. We went through every copy of our catalogue and stamped in Google search, Kit Walker, Phantom Art, Facebook. Mm. Will that pick up? It will do. So once I've... But once you have to belong to Facebook to... To see that one, you do. Yeah, so most people belong to Facebook, do they? Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so, so we stamped that in everyone. So this will open a vast um, chamber of, mm. of images <laughs> and past shows. And... Dame Quentin and uh, Michael, can I say performing? <laughs> they performed was, wasn't they? They performed. <laughs> they performed last night, and it was a class act. It really was. That, uh, um, that there was a time when we had uh, three females running this country not so long ago. Mm-hmm. Female Prime Minister, female Premier, um, no, a female Governor, and a female Governor-General. So Quentin's now, uh, and Michael, have opened... Um, two shows now, and we had the people from Coffs Harbour here last night, and now they want Quentin and Michael. And uh, I said, introduce us, and then Newcastle, they want Quentin and Michael. And um, it's, it's all getting a little bit uh, difficult because um, they're only meant to do one. And, uh, but the good thing is I think they enjoy it, don't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. They certainly seem to. They, they, there was... Um, they had worked on their scripts and, and uh, done some rehearsals since Toowoomba. Honed it, <laughs> honed it a bit. And Michael's drawing of the Phantom Jets just around the corner there, so he's now a Phantom artist, Michael Price. Yeah. So, so you, you've talked about it, you know, Coffs Harbour, Newcastle, you listed off all the, the show, yeah. places it's going to, and, and it's all by popular demand because it was Absolutely. going to be a one-off and people yeah. are asking yeah. for it. So what's the popularity of it? Why do, why, why do people want to... Well, um, gee, it's, it, it, I mean, I, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's just a thing that's infused through, I mean, everyone's father read it, didn't they? No, and um, uh, it's just, it, it's quite hard to put into words. Um, it's not a superhuman, superhero sort of thing, like Superman or Batman. Uh, so anyone can be the Phantom. Maybe that's something. Mm. We had three, three or four Phantoms here last night mm. of, of different sizes. <laughs> we had the most beautiful devil. I, I, 
Yeah, what was the breed of that he dog? He was a German Shepherd. What a beautiful dog. He was so <laughs> well behaved. And he was blue and cream and grey. Mm. And he was the sweetest dog, wasn't he? Mm, beautiful. Yeah, I've never seen such a beautiful dog. Mm. And um, he, he, he went along with everything, which was just great. But I don't know if I'm answering the question here. What do you think? I think I think you have touched on it there. It's that he's an ordinary man. Um, an ordinary man. Yeah. He, he gets he, wounded. He gets mm. he gets his heart broken, doesn't mm. he? That's right. He um, he comes very close to uh, perishing, and um, but he and he does perish, and that's when they have to do the changeover, mm. and uh, there has to be the most famous image I think of the Phantom is when someone called Susie dived in front of a bullet and took the bullet for the Phantom. And um, her dying wish was that he revealed his uh, face to her. And um, there it is on the back of the cover there of him revealing his face to Diana Palmer, to Susie. And that's after she's passed on there in the Morristown Infirmary, I think. And I think that's, that's the only time in Phantom history... I'm aware of that he's shown his face to anyone other than Diana, oh. um, who didn't then, of course, go on to die because he who sees the face of Phantom dies a horrible death. Really? According to the old jungle saying. Really? So, yeah. Well, Garrett. Garrett would also see Oh, of course. Of course. Yes, he would. Garrett. 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 I would have pronounced Garrett, but, no, no, but I, I think. I how we pronounce it, but yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's trusting. We didn't have any Garams here last night. No. no. Um, there, there is one, a quite amusing one, little cartoon by, um, um, I can never remember his name. Uh, he's, uh, he's got the little double bed with the phantom doona. Have you seen that one? And she's saying, not till you take your mask off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, um, sadly, that, that painting was sold. And um, he painted out the doona and he painted out the phantom and he sold it in New Zealand. I don't know. You know, this art stuff, it's very fleeting and very, very, um, very fragile, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, um, but we always look for the humour in this show. And I think it's, um, um, I, I guess that's another thing, all the understatement. Subtlety, the humour is, is another human thing, which I don't think Superman and Batman bother about, do they? Well, I'm biased because I'm a Phantom fan, but I, I think that his dry wit and the one-liners and those sorts yes. of things are much yes. more effective in the Phantom. I can't see it ever doing anything but getting more and more popular now. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope so. There, there is a worry um, amongst the fan community. I think that um, the fans are all getting older and. And certainly in a, in a phantom gathering, I often feel like I'm one of the youngest yes, fans that yes. are there. Oh, but then so, there's Angus. Well, that's exactly right. Yes. We've got to indoctrinate the next generation. Yes, so. yes, yes. <laughs> it's not going to be hard to do, I don't no, think. No, there's, there's still a few of us, but uh, yeah. that, that is a challenge, I think. And I think the, for people may not know that through the company has changed hands in the last 12 months. And um, Glenn Ford, who's a, an accomplished artist, and Renee White are the two that have taken it over. And... The, the, themselves and the crew, are, I think they're doing a wonderful job of, yes. of recreating the Phantom, doing new yes. things. And, and is that happening in America? Are they recreating? Sadly, no. There's so is in New Zealand. They no, that they get the through. What issues. a wonderful thing they're doing! Mm. So, I'd buy a copy of that 80th one. Mm. Is that a good one to buy today? Yeah, that's that's a ripper. It's um, 
unpub mostly unpublished stories from around the world. So um, no Lee Fork stories, no Ray Moore or, or Wilson yes. McCoy, unfortunately. But the, you mentioned the, the Susie and the Governor story. That's in the most recent replica. Yes. So the, the, the so, number nine, which only just came out a couple of weeks ago. So is that um, old, recreated, or new stuff? The replica series is uh, very faithful reprints of the original comics. Or how much? Uh, dollars, uh, nine fifty, I think. Nine fifty. <laughs> well, I'm going to get one. It's a lot cheaper than trying to buy issue number one hundred and seventy-four. Yeah. Uh, from, we, from a collector. We sent for uh, the nineteen thirty-six one, um, the original one, original cover, and it's squeezed into a frame somewhere here. Is it? Yeah, out there in the corner. Yeah, to have a look at it, and um, it arrived from America. I'm very excited. And opened it up, and it was this boom of confetti. The whole thing had gone completely uh, brittle, you know. So we painstakingly pressed it into a frame, and there it will stay for the rest of its life. Because I thought three hundred dollars was a bit cheap for the first for the first American one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why would it be brittle? I mean, they haven't. Um, I don't think they used the quality of paper. Back cheap, in those cheap days. paper, yeah. and um, there would be some mint condition ones, wouldn't there? Mm. How much would they be worth? Well, I couldn't speak to the American one, but a number one fruit mm. actually sold on eBay two weeks ago yes. uh, for fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand dollars. Yes, yes, yes. We, we used to. Has anyone heard of Oz Magazine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were all cartoonists on Oz Magazine. Oh, okay. Oz number one. 16 Aussies to the pound, and they got pretty girls to sell them on street corners. Mm. That would be very valuable today. Everybody's got everything but number one, for some reason. Mm. Number one. I remember seeing piles and piles and piles of them. <laughs> I haven't got number one. No. No, no I've got one for deep, no. Right. Yeah. So, so, so how, what's the, the experience of putting the show together? You mentioned Deepma there. The two of you have worked together. Yes, I mean, collecting it, this. it's sort of um, a show that's running itself. It's not funded. It's um, most of the shows you see here are heavily funded, and um, um, they've done with grants. Is that is that right, Anna? It's a variety, but yeah. it's, it's, um, a lot of travelling shows that come in come through the body. Yes. Um, rather than yes. Yeah. Australian galleries are, are, are just lending a hand. It's not really an Australian gallery show. They've they've been terrific dealing with things. Like when the truck broke down in the desert, you know, on Broken Hill. I'm elaborating a little bit here. And the Tweed Gallery came to the rescue and, and had to pay a bit more for the... So thank you, Tweed Gallery, for keeping the show on the road because... Uh... <laughs> was, the, was the gallery happy with last night? Yeah, I think, I think it was. It was a lovely feeling. I came up with my sister Fairley, who's in the show. There she is. She's done some beautiful ceramic tiles. And um, I sort of realised that it was going to be a good night because as we arrived, there were people coming from everywhere. They were parking all on the grass down there. And in every direction, there were all these people coming, coming through the bushes, coming through, you know. <laughs> and um, I thought, something's happening here. And um, it was chock-a-block, wasn't it? Mm. It was chock-a-block on there. And little phantoms handing out sandwiches. Devon with tomato sauce. I haven't had that for a long time. All, all CWA feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I would call the fandom wholesome, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. You, absolutely. It, it's, it's a very wholesome um, obsession. Very family friendly. Very family friendly, exactly. And um, and we want to, we aim to keep it that way. Yeah. 
Yes, yes. We actually asked Michael Bell to do a, a fan right. thing because I think he's such a good artist. Yeah. And uh, so, but uh, other artists like Gary Shared, Dick Frizzell, they, they're hardcore. So they were in the very first. Yes. Show, and then it's kind of had Yes, it's. We've started, we've cranked it up again, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ewan McLeod's one here, which is um, beautifully painted. But I, I wouldn't call that Wilson. Oh, it's sort of a Ray Moore sort oh, of. Ray Moore, I'd say. Yes, it's, it's been influenced by Ray Moore. And, and that's the beginning of The Phantom. And there's Dietmar Lederosch, my co curator, holding the skull, where he swears on the skull of um, his dead the, the ancestor. The uh, pirate who murdered his father. The Singh pirates who murdered his father mm. to, um, to pursue uh, that. Oath and, and it's very interesting having seen the show in Toowoomba and again now uh, the number of pieces that are new as you say have, have joined the collection yes, and, and, yes. Uh, so, it, so it's a dynamic show it's yeah. growing and when we get to New York to Los Angeles in uh, 2018 um, at the Lodge Gallery um, I feel mm. a, a, yes That's right. Michael, I never remember his name. That's, that's a good one, isn't it? Luckily, I had a print made of it. So when I said, could we have that for the travelling show, he said, oh, it doesn't exist anymore. It's horrifying. So um, do you know Norm McKenna's work? No. Oh, thank you for that. Norm McKenna. Yes? Uh, 400 years of phantom. Not one mention of a wedding, birth, child growing up. Why hasn't all that... Damn. Well, I think um, the Lee Fork did write a childhood of the Phantom story, uh, which showed the, the childhood of the 21st Phantom, and I think that was a Wilson McCoy um, version. It was after it was in the 1970s actually when Cy Barry had taken over that um, he did get married to Diana, and they had twins. If in the in the newspaper strip today, the twins would be 16, 17, 18. Um, so there is actually a, a very sacrilegious story. Um, that has been published in Scandinavia, which is about the 22nd Phantom, and, and the twins are fighting to see who's taking over. The, the 21st Phantom is gone. So um, there's a lot of fans not happy with that, um, that story being out, and it'll probably come out in through next year, I suppose. But it is, a, it is a bit of a pity that I think, personally, I think that it's a bit of a pity that Lee Fork didn't move the generations through. Even after 20, 30 years, he could have moved to a 22nd Phantom and started that rolling, and that, and that might have helped it maintain a bit of relevance, but a lot of people will say that the 21st Phantom is the Phantom and uh, should always be, so um, stuck in time, I suppose. Something like that to do, they emerge fully grown. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I noticed that in New Zealand the Phantom is different colour. Mm. So and in France. Yeah. Yeah. And Spain is red. Yeah. And everywhere. everywhere, yeah. Scandinavia is blue. Um, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think the, the story is that uh, the first time that, uh, that his, his uniform is supposed to be uh, from dyed berries right. in, in the oh, jungle. Oh, wow, I never knew that. And 
found that out in the woolen box. And when, when um, various countries were uh, colourised their first phantom, they weren't uh, specified what the colours were, so they made their own colours. So mm. that is why the various countries around the world have different uniform colours. Mm. Isn't that fascinating? In one, of, in one of the first stories, he's actually referred to as the grey ghost, and, and yeah. some people think that he's supposed to be grey. Yeah, and that, that is a part of the story, yeah. yeah. The, the, the intention was that it be... Um, mm. Yeah, right. mm. I, I don't like the purple on the song. Well, it's unique. There's, there's yeah. no doubt about that. It stands yeah. out amongst, you know, it, when some artists do a line-up of Marvel, Maybe it's DC, that old-fashioned yeah. camp thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very camp yeah. colour, you know, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. sort of Mardi Gras. So yeah. Maybe that's another aspect of the Phantom. That it's it a nice suffragette in this colour as well. Is it really? Is it really? <laughs> purple or mauve? <laughs> purple. Oh, also... <laughs> Also, also bishops in, in the church. Bishop, yeah, 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 yeah. Queen Mother, she liked I'm not sure that it's something that would happen today in terms of all of those different colours because you've got the internet and they'd be able to send out the, the proofs and this is what it's supposed to look like. But in the 1930s and 40s when it started being colourised, all they got was the black and white art and then coloured it in there whether they saw fit, I suppose. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen anyone play the Snakes and Ladders game. Uh, it's actually... Uh, we've had to um, reply for copyright for that, and it's been taken, Snakes and Ladders, so we call it after its original name, which is the game of life and death, which was, in India, it was on cloth, and they'd roll it up, and it was invented to teach Sufis and holy men about life and death uh, in their teachings. And uh, I'm probably making some things up from here on, <laughs> but I think um, I, I think it would have been called snakes and passages at first uh, in Indian language, and um, I I put that board together and I took it, googled a very old board. It was called snakes and ladders when the Raj took it back to to England. Mm. They called it snakes and ladders. But then I found a, 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 a one frame of Diana steading the ladder while the phantom mm. climbs up out of the cave. But um, it's very interesting if you're playing it with someone, and it, 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 there's ten pieces, so ten people can play at once. What usually happens is whoever um, is winning usually cops the big snake, and they jump all the way back to the start. And you know what? Everybody laughs. <laughs> Shocking. So it's... Uh, <laughs> but... The person who gets that snake goes on to win. It's 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 so cleverly designed. That's why I, I copied exactly the placement of the big snakes, and because um, it had been tried and true, you know, all I changed was the phantom images. So that's an, a genuine, original um, game of life, and, and it works. And it works. Excellent. And uh, I guess it's to teach you about if you don't. Win the Archibald. <laughs> How are you cope with it? You don't burn down the art gallery. You know what I mean? There was a question at the back. Yeah. The Phantom is part of the DC comic Disney. When did it first join the DC comic? Uh, okay. So I think Phantom had a, sh a brief run in DC comics uh, in the 80s, perhaps early 90s, and also featured in Marvel briefly, I suppose, each, as each of those. 
Uh, they certainly did a run for a while. It's been it's been published by a, a lot of different companies over time. King Feature Syndicate is the who, who you would have had to go mm. through copyright with. They obviously own the, the rights to the fandom and all of the stories, and they've um, leased it, I guess, one of a better word, to a couple of different companies for a while. Um, Marvel, off the top of my head, produced 12 issues, and DC might have been less than that, maybe four or six, um, as I say, back in the... Uh, so, so where does it go? Um, like, um, so you can they had um, Well, I, I certainly hope that they do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would certainly hope that they do because um, Marvel and DC have obviously got a massive reach at the moment, and, and that American market you talked about would be would be fantastic for them to be able to to relaunch the character into those into that market. There is a very strong feeling that the fandom is an Australian um, character. We've, we've certainly adopted him well and truly. Put out uh, a serial where Diana was um, from Sydney, mm. Australia. Mm. And, that, and that, that, was, that was in the Australian edition. Australian edition, yes. Mm. It didn't go elsewhere. I myself, um, Deep Mars is the opinion that, that all these new artists have kept the fandom alive. I, I don't believe that for a second. I, I think that Lee Falk, Ray Moore, and Wilson McCoy, if they'd ended it there, we would still be having this show today. Mm. I just feel that the integrity of it was set then in mm. stone. What about that Cyber? Huh? The guy who wrote during the 60s, you said Cyber. Cyber. I'm not just saying. You and him, not me. <laughs> <laughs> He's still alive. Yeah. And uh, no, I, I feel that it sort of ended there. And uh, in America, People remember Cats and Jama Kids. Um, Crazy Cat, did he come here? Uh, um, Dagwood and, and Blondie. Um, when the artist dies, like Crazy Cat, the strip ends. Sadly, with Ginger Meigs, it's kept going and it's just, it's sort of mutoid now. It's sort of awful. It really is awful. And sometimes I feel King Features isn't true to the Phantom in that they're, they're quite um, vigilant in, in not letting anyone use it without permission. But I don't think they themselves are looking after it well because I see the new phantoms like a purple steroid monster, you know, I, I feel. There, there are certainly some artists who are not... Um, oh, for me, I think Ray Moore and Wilson McCoy, and, and Cy Barry for me, yes. um, the, the lithe athletic phantom is, yes. is far more... It's that ordinary man again, isn't ordinary it? Ordinary man, so yeah. Not, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not, not no drugs or steroids. No, or that's right. Yeah. No, I think Cy Barry and his Really? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I mean, he, he went from that to, you know, muskets. Yeah, 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 without being over the top. Uh, yes. Yeah. Without being over the top. We had, being, you know, natural. We had a very nice phantom last night. Did you talk to him? Here was very, very nice. an accident. Huh? With an Italian accident. Oh, do you have an Italian accent? He does. Isn't that interesting? Well, the Italian fandom should have been read then. If he... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any more questions? Yes. Just 
Yes, it's downtime. Is it, um, I mean, it's very diverse, the um, 2D, 3D. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and that doesn't carry over into your other work? There is one uh, in that room that Ewan McLeod's done of the swimming pool at North Sydney, and a very evil looking Luna Park face, and, and I've stuck my running fandom at the front of it, so we have crossed over a little bit there. And I'm tempted to do a bit more of that crossover. But um, uh, this stuff doesn't sell much. It's not that, co no, it's not that commercial. It's just not, you know? It's amazing because I think it's pretty good figures and mechanical. Yeah, that's what I've got in It's just not absolutely marvelous. Yeah, it's funny. That, I mean, that, there's an interesting story behind that fandom there. Does anyone who know who that is? Really? Is it, it's pretty good, isn't it? Has everyone heard of Elizabeth Cummings? Yes. Who hasn't? Uh, so Elizabeth, um, I just love her work. She's one of the artists that I do collect. And uh, I really wanted her to be in the fandom show. And she said, oh, I don't know, what could I do? You know, I, I just, and suddenly she said, oh, I could do a portrait of you. And in the phantom costume, so I went up to uh, Chatham Crow's Nest and hired this ghastly um, lyrics phantom. I had to book it weeks ahead because it's so popular. <laughs> get into this thing. And it had a big zip zipper down the back, which I kept bursting. She said, oh, you look like a big Christmas beetle. <laughs> you know, when they, the rings burst out of their back. You know, so I was so unconfident. And, and anyway... Uh, at the end of the day, she did a lot, a lot of drawings or, or didn't take one photo. I was so impressed. I think photographs get in the way when you're doing portraits, really. Otherwise, you're ending up doing a photo of, you know, of someone. And I think that's where the Archibalds be so debased. All it is is big painted-in epidioscope portraits. And um, she did a lot of drawings. She made me a delicious lunch. The, the Christmas beetle was given lunch and then we went up to her new studio and um, she just went at it and, and it was three quarters of an hour later and um, she put that gash of white down the side and she think, oh I don't think I should have done that but it was just the thing to do, that, that white gash down there and, and my god I think, it's, I think she's got it you know? so it was going to go into the Archibald there's such a serious crowd in there. <laughs> 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 so I just, it was, was more important to have it tour around here and, and be in the show. And the person, somebody whipped in and, and owns it now. I, was a bit, I wasn't quick enough off the mark. And they didn't want it to travel. And, um, and then Susie Mutterman said, I refuse to show uh, uh, not original work. You know, it must be, a, and I think people come to galleries of this this status to see original works. You don't come to see a print, do you? So it's fascinating to look into that and see the way she's put the thing on. That Charles Blackman, uh, his son, was given that for his twenty-first birthday, I think, and I think that's one of the nicest things in the show. That Blackman, it's a lovely face, and um, he brought, it, it, he lost lost it, it went to auction and somebody bought it and gave it back to him. So that's got a nice story. Yeah. So that's going to, to America. That'll probably but we're going to try and sell stuff in America to try and pay
pay for all the freight over and freight back. Do you have much trouble convincing people to um, let you show from their private collection? No, it's not hanging on their wall. He forced now. it onto us. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think Charles is a great artist. A lot of people don't think that, but I think he is. Mm. And, and you've got to be judged on your best work, not your, you know. Uh, so that'll be travelling and. Um, and where it goes then, I wouldn't know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Any more? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm quite interested to hear you say that the work doesn't sell. I thought that that would be a difficulty of the exhibition that people would be trying to mm. you know, steal the works out of the exhibition. Mm. Mm. Well, that's for not for sale. The McLeod isn't for sale. The Gary Shed's not for sale. Um, that's not for sale. That's not for sale. Maybe that <laughs> makes... Okay, that, that could be part of it. That's part <laughs> of it. That's not for sale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then we come into the copyright problem. I mean, should, should King Features get done? I commissioned that one of the Phantom's father at Broken Hill. Yeah. There was a story about that that he wouldn't relinquish the ring, you know, because he was, he was browned off. He'd been washed up at Broken Hill. He's, right. he's still up there in that outfit, and he won't give the ring to the new Phantom. So that's, that's another story. And then he broke his leg. We don't know how that happened. <laughs> so, uh, where's that story going? That's... Um, so, should King Features get a cut of that, do you think? Should King Features, say if, um, say if uh, the Blackman sells, should King Features get a cut of that? Mm. I don't think so, because I think it's a tribute like um, and a one-off. Mm. I think when you get into um, repetitive prints, yeah. then they get a rake-off. Mm. I think they get a rake-off. But they'll kill the whole thing stone dead if they're going to come down on Lichtenstein and Warhol and, mm. you know, all those artists who... who they can't kill the they can't. <laughs> How far have you driven to come and say that? <laughs> Do they get a cut at the moment? Is that uh, we're going into that territory. We're paying 10% on sales of um, snakes and ladders games. And unfortunately, we were selling it at $150 with two figurines. The second day of it being on sale, we sold 17 had to, now we have to honour those and we close the whole thing down because there's so much work in making the boards and the figurines and, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it just wasn't worth it, you know. $150, 10% to King Features, 40% to the gallery, you know what I mean? On, on it goes and then, then you've got to buy the resin, you've got to, you know, it's, um, it's, it's all... Mind you, if you make a fortune, King Features... Um, it's you know you're, you're welcome to make a fortune, but mm. I don't know how you do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're just about done, haven't we? Yeah. Just one last one. I wanted to mention um, my favourite Phantom. Um, he, after he married Diana, there's this famous uh, drawing, and it's called the Novel Life. Yes. He has an apron on, and he's doing the washing up. And that's <laughs> beautiful. And the share house I was in as a student, there was taped to the to the uh, sink, and above him text her. If the can do it, why can't he? <laughs> <laughs> do you know that one? Yeah, there, there's a story called The Normal Life where he considers... Um, and who was the artist? That was Cy Barry. Oh. Probably why you made it. How much did he pay you to come along? <laughs> well, show me a good... Si that sounds like a good Cy Barry, so I mean, I'll, I'll have to be very careful now. <laughs> I think, um, thank you for coming. What a great audience. Terrific. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. And the panel. Thank you, panel.
Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Come to Coffs Harbour, too, and see the bomb shelter. 1943 it was built. And um, uh, it's going to be, you know, they're all different, the Phantom Shows, all different. And the, everyone's worked so hard here at the Tweed. The shows have been great. We're very happy and very happy, going home happy. Yeah.